Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hello, I'm Dan, um, and I run West Bromwich Albion fan site 1878, formerly Baggies Facts, um, and you can follow me on Twitter at 1878-WBA. Hi, I'm Jay. I'm editor of Palace fan site The Eagles Beak. You can get me mostly on Twitter at The Eagles Beak. And I'm also host of a local community radio show called The Meridian Sports Show. And you get us on Twitter at The Meridian SS. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us, guys. A bit of the uh, old crew we got here with this uh, triumvirate. Uh, Obviously, first, we will start with making the rounds, though, where we'll each be discussing what's been happening at our clubs lately. And Dan, you know, longtime listeners of this show have heard very, very many negative thoughts about the Albion uh, from your lips. Things quite different at the moment. Absolutely fantastic at the minute. Um, beyond, beyond my wildest dreams in terms of, uh, well, in terms of what I thought Pulis would be serving up to us as, as a manager this season, it is completely not what I expected um, I don't know if you could all cast your minds back, maybe even a couple of years, um, to when Pulis came and I said, I really want us to be playing. I don't, I, my words were, I don't, I don't mind Pulis's football if he's going to keep us up, as long as he concentrates on, on giving us some form of entertainment, getting the ball quickly up the wings and being able to supply crosses for strikers. And just so that it's 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 not his usual olden day Stoke, you know, rugby. We d- we didn't want to see that, and for quite a while we did. We have we have had times where last I mean last season I think it was eight matches where we didn't even manage a shot on target. Um, but you know, Pulis has obviously set his stall out, and it was a a, a long time evolution to where we've got to now and and because of the players that we've got I think it, it's made the choice a bit easier for him to be able to adapt to play to, to what we're currently seeing um, in in terms of my opinion towards Pulis um, he hasn't always been the best because I knew all along that we've got the players capable of playing the football that we are now and and so in in that regard, I just feel like he's proving a lot of us Baggies fans who wanted to see more from the team. He's just proving us right that we all all along we knew we had the players capable of of doing what we're currently doing. Um, and so, the you know, there's nothing to nothing but but you know good things that I can say. We're eighth in the table. There's something like seven points between eighth and ninth place. Um, we're playing some. I wouldn't say it's. It's you know total football. In, in in fact, it's it's really not. It's it's being efficient and being efficient at the right times and picking teams off at the you know it. It's just it's it's good to watch as well as um as well as like the previous seasons like last season where we would sit in deep and when we had the opportunities to get out we we'd loathe to get forward. Whereas this season, with Matty Phillips pushing on, with Chadley able to link up play, with McLean, who's been fantastic at times when he's when he's come onto the pitch, Morrison back into form, Chris Brunt delivering the set pieces, who was injured for a lot of last season, it's just been it's just been really good to watch, and 
Um, the 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 game against uh, Bournemouth this past weekend, um, it it wasn't really our best performance at all. Um, but it just goes to show that this season we're beating all the teams that we should be beating. And I know that sounds, you know, you can't ever take any game for granted. We, you know, I'm not really one that says you should be beating team A or whoever it is. Um, but, um, you know, this, this season we've lost only one game to teams below us currently in the Premier League. That's, that's one, one game is, is all we've lost to teams currently sitting between ninth and 20th. And that was the return fixture away at Bournemouth. Um, and and that record is absolutely fantastic. So no complaints. Um, yesterday's performance was it was it was solid enough. Um, Bournemouth shot themselves in the foot really with with both of the goals pretty much deflected effort and um, and Artur Boric uh, pretty much handing the goal to McCauley, who's now the highest scoring centre back in the Premier League on six. Um, so, <laughs> nothing, fantasy darling Gareth McCauley. He is, yeah, absolutely banging in. Um, I, I just, I've got, I've got no, no bad, no bad things to say. I mean, it, even when you look at the club in terms of the way it's been run from top to bottom, the, the new chairman this season's come in and he's saying all the right things. The fans are happy with that. The new owners have come into the football club. They've not, they've not meddled in anything that they shouldn't have done. Um, the transition's been seamless. We've spent money on players that we've needed to, and we've probably avoided players where the deal wasn't right for us. Um, and although I would have liked more signings in January, the one player we did get in, well, we, we, we signed two, but the, the, the key out of the two signings, Livermore, he, he was fantastic again yesterday. Um, and so you can see that the, the progress is, is brilliant. I mean, you've only got to look, and this is no dig really, this is just a fact. You look at the clubs of similar size to us in the area of the West Midlands, and you've got Birmingham City, Aston Villa, Wolverhampton Wanderers. They've all had Chinese owners take over the club. They've all seen managerial changes already this season. All of those clubs have seen managerial changes for one reason or another. They're not stable. They're all towards the bottom end of the league. And they're all struggling in the championship. And yet the Albion, as as much as many fans probably didn't want Pulis to be the man to take us forward, the club have had their strategy in place. They've stuck with their man. Um, we've signed only the right players. Um, and we're doing everything that can be expected of a club. Um, and, and we're really pushing the ceiling of of the fans' expectations because eighth in the Premier League is is really phenomenal, really for a club of our size. And um, there is a slight outside chance of European football that, uh, that we're currently chasing. The chances are we're probably just going to fall short of that. Um, but even so, a top ten finish would be fantastic. Um, and and for us to be even still with 12, 12 or so games left of the season to be even having in the back of our mind that we might just be able to scrape European football if the circumstances are right. For me, that's, you know, it, it's, it's fantastic. So happy, happy Dan from, uh, from Baggy Sacks. Well, formerly Baggy Sacks for a change. <laughs> yeah. Um, I also wanted to talk, there was a bit of a tactical adjustment uh, about what, like three weeks, a month back. 
when um, previously you'd been running a lot of your play through Matt Phillips up the right, but recently Chadley's been playing a bit more central and his form has really unlocked lately. Uh, what, what caused all that to happen? Because it certainly has worked the trick. Yeah, well, Chadley was out of the team for a, for a short while because Morrison came back into the fold um, and Chadley isn't the most hard-working player. So Pulis really does have to give up something, I suppose, when he puts him into the team. I'm not saying he doesn't work hard. I'm just saying that he doesn't he's he's not like a backwards and forwards runner who's constantly going to be nipping at other 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 players' feet. He, you know, he's not that kind of player. And so um I think Morrison's more suited to that role in terms of that regard. But against teams that we can beat, I think I think Chadley's, you know, he unlocks defences. Um and, and so, sometimes you don't really notice that some of the little things that he does, but because, because it's usually Phillips on the end of a, a great pass or or a great dummy or a little dink through or a look over the shoulder and a, and a ball played, or or you know, and it's usually Phillips on the end of a great uh, a good ball and pointing a, a brilliant cross for Rondon to score or or for one of our oncoming midfielders to to have a go at goal. So you know. I think Chadley just really worked well into our team. Um, as long as we're not facing maybe an uphill battle, um, so I would say that Chadley's probably more suited to playing teams that are in and around us as opposed to playing the top teams when you maybe need a bit more discipline. Yeah, if that makes sense. It does, and uh, also uh, for people that don't know, because Ben Foster was very highly regarded a few years back. Then, for some reason, that opinion of him kind of dropped a little bit. He is now second in saves in the Premier League. Um, so, also, it's shout out to him. He's England's best option for a goalkeeper. Mm. Then there's something wrong because he genuinely is England's best goalkeeper at the minute. Forget Joe Hart. He's playing in, in, in the Serie A. He's Italian you know. now. <laughs> I don't care what he's doing. <laughs> ben, ben Foster. Do you know what? I'd even go as far as to say that in my unbiased view, that Ben Foster's been the best performing keeper in the Premier League this season. Um, he's, I, I cannot think of a goal where I'm thinking maybe he, or he might have done a bit better there. And I can think of tons and tons of brilliant claims coming to the edge of his box, claiming the ball, making the right decision with one-on-ones, picking the ball out the top corner like he did yesterday with, with seconds left, left of the game. Um, he he he's you know he's he's a fantastic keeper. He always has been, um, and he's been fit this season, which is key. And hopefully, we can keep him fit towards the end of the season. Um, and if and if um, Gareth Southgate has has got his glasses on correctly, he should be in the <laughs> next England squad. Fair enough. Then uh, on to you, Jay. Where things have not been as peachy over the past few weeks, but you do pick up a very important win this week against Middlesbrough in an attempt to drag them back into the pack. Uh, Patrick Van Anholt, you signed in January, scores the goal here. Uh, not the most surprising considering how far he plays up the pitch during most of his matches, but just how important was it for you to get that win? Uh, huge, absolutely hugely important yesterday. I think there was a big change in the atmosphere before the game. It's no secret that... I can't remember what, what when I was last on. Was it after the Sunderland defeat? <laughs> It was Quite a bad fun. one. It was one where yeah. I invited you on a Saturday morning, and then by the end of it, I felt bad. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I guess I was brave coming on. I, you know me. I've been on this podcast uh, enough times, and you know I'm not a cynical fan at all. I, 
it, it's just the way things have happened. And I think um, going back to the, the change in management, I think Pardew was probably uh, relieved of his duties a month too late, really. Um, I'll say too late. I mean, it's not too late now. It's just hasn't given Allardyce a huge amount of time to, to get on with things. But um, whatever people think of Allardyce, he made changes ahead of this game. There were a few things that the, the, the team and the players did during the week. And we've had two weeks to get prepared for this game. And I think it's really helped. And bringing in players like, you mentioned Van Arnholt. He's, he's, he's played for us, uh, I think that's his third or fourth game for us now. And he's come in and looked very comfortable in, in the side, which has clearly struggled in, in recent weeks. And there's, uh, there's no surprises there. But he, he's given us something a little bit more. Um, I would say yesterday, the biggest differences for us were bringing in Mamadou Sacco who was absolutely immense at centre-back. And this is a side who, you know, we've had Scott Dan and Damien Delaney as our centre-back pairing for the most part of the last three or four seasons. Um, James Tompkins has disrupted that uh, this season since he signed in January. He's had a few injuries, but, um, you know, we found a way of playing those three. But yesterday, Scott Dan was on the bench, Damien Delaney was on the bench, and uh, we started with James Tompkins, who... Um, arguably had his best game for us uh, in a Palace shot yesterday alongside Mamadou Sacco, who, if he can't, carries on playing like that, he's going to be um, an absolutely immense addition in the January transfer window, whether he signs in the summer permanently, whether it's just on loan. But I've spoken to a lot of Liverpool fans, I think I mentioned before, that they're surprised Klopp let him go because they still consider him their best defender, a proper defender. Um, it was it was, abs- it was a beat. I think, I think I remember just one... One thing he did wrong in the whole game yesterday, he was solid. He was um, on the striker every time Every time they were close to, to our penalty area. It was absolutely superb. Um, the other person that um, really has proved to be the signing I hoped he would be is um, Luka Milijevic, who we signed from Olympiakos. He made his debut against Stoke um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, obviously, he didn't have a game last week. He made his home debut yesterday, and he's just superb. Sits in front of the back line, a Jednak kind of player. You know, since we sold Jednak, and it was kind of Jednak's the end of Jednak's time at Palace. A lot of Palace fans, because he was adored at Palace, didn't like him going. But you know, a lot of us thought, well, you know, things weren't quite working out for him. He's lost a bit of pace, and but this is the new Jednak, and he can do a bit more than Jednak as well. And he really did show us yesterday what he can bring to this side. So with those two giving us a lot of improvement, there was a lot of passion from the players yesterday. The first half was just a, a massive improvement from what we've seen in recent weeks, particularly that um, terrible game against Sunderland a few weeks ago, uh, as I mentioned. But it's it was a massive improvement. Still things to work on for sure. Um, but it's a big result against a team who are in the mix just as we are. Um, and I think it's psychological when you get a result like you do yesterday against a side who is struggling as well. I think they haven't won a game in nine games now, Barra. Um, and while they're very hard to break down, they they find it difficult to score. So it was always going to be a case of we had to score first yesterday, we felt. Um, and we went at them from the start, you know, high tempo, very early on. Um, they made it hard for us. Um, they really did. Van Arnold found, I mean, he normally scores with his left foot. That's what he's known for. But he scored with his right um, yesterday. And it was, I mean, it's very well taken goal. We kind of... Um, didn't particularly lash at the ball, but he the keeper was unsighted, but he put it in the you know the perfect spot for the keeper not to get anywhere near it. So, um, you know, we 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 kind of rode our luck a little bit towards the end of the second half, visibly tired, and you know we're we're a side who have struggled in recent weeks, and 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 as the game wore on, 
you know, burrow through thing, you know, through through the uh, game at us a little bit. But um, we stood firm, brought on Scott down late late in the game, and and Schlupp came on as well to kind of play five at the back to shore up that back line, and it proved um, you know a decision to to see out the rest of the game. So very happy with the result. Still a lot to work on. We've got some tough games coming up, but. Um, there's a lot of teams involved, and that can only be good, a good thing for us. And um, you know, Leicester play tomorrow night. Um, we're out of the bottom three for now. If Leicester get anything tomorrow, then they will move back out of the bottom three. But for now, you know, we've given ourselves a fighting chance with this win. Yeah, it was very impressive getting the clean sheet. If I'm not mistaken, that was your second of the season. So that was certainly... I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's certainly an area that needed improvement. Uh, at the other end of the pitch, though, you have Christian Benteke, where... Pretty much ever since Palace came up, we were looking for who would be the you know person to lead the line for you. Mm. It mm. seemed like you had had him in the summer. Benteke started the season fairly well. Now just one goal in the last 10 matches. Um, you also have Loic Remy in thereabouts, but he's always dealing with injuries. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to stay up, you're going to have to score goals. And I'm just curious uh, where you think you're going to be getting them from. I think yesterday, though, I've said it quite a lot, actually, that we need to learn how to use Benteke. Benteke is not that big lump of a striker up front that you can just pump the ball onto. He's going to hold it up and lay it off, you know, like those stereotypical uh, lone strikers. You know, you could probably do that a little bit more with with Conor Wickham uh, when he led the line on his own. Um, But Benteke is so much more than that. And, And yesterday we... We, we showed signs of learning to use him properly and, and just giving him the ball in areas where he can do something with it. You know, he could turn with the ball um, or, or, or give him the ball when he's facing goal rather than, you know, he's back to goal all the time. Um, he worked very hard yesterday, um, just that he didn't get his goal. Um, and I think it showed a lot about the way that the players were yesterday and the fact that he absolutely berated Townsend for having a shot on goal when he could have easily put Benteke in for what would have been a, a free shot at goal. Uh, and that was late on in the game and, and would have sealed the game and, and, and a, a bit less tension. But he really did have a go at Townsend for not, not putting him in. And that's, I don't mind that if it's, you know, if it's channeled in the right way. And, it, you know, it just looked that way that, you know, a lot of the players were, you know, kind of, um, you know, showing their passion and belief, which we hadn't seen in recent weeks. And um, for me, that shows a striker who's hungry, wants to get goals. And you see that from all the best strikers, don't you? They have a go at the other players for not putting them in, you know, when they want to be. Um, I've got no worries about Benteke at all. He he will get goals. He will always score goals. I, I've always felt that it's just a case of us having to trying to use him properly. We haven't had a striker like that who is... I would say as talented striker as that for, for such a long time. You know, we've paid a lot of money for him. Clearly, that's you know why we've paid the money for him. We just need to you know learn how to use him to you know to his best uh, best best abilities really, and that's not with his back to goal, um, holding a ball up for other players. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot; we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Interesting. Well, certainly uh, hoping that you guys turn it around because you'd better be on this show next season. <laughs> um, uh, for Tottenham, oh man, I'm pretty sure there weren't any matches midweek. Um, so just focusing on the Premier League. Uh, I, think there were, I think there were, Kev. 
Ah, uh, you sure? Um, <laughs> all right, fine then. Um, <laughs> Tottenham uh, played in quotation marks uh, Ghent on Thursday in order to stay in the Europa League, and then summarily didn't. Um, things did actually start off fairly well in that match. I saw some people saying that we didn't really start playing till Ali was off the pitch, but that's just not what happened. Uh, I thought we were, were playing fairly well. The Joel, the, the Joel, the Martin Yol wasn't coming. Um, no, the goal just wasn't coming. Um, and then obviously Del Ali doing what he did and it was fully warranted. Um, there, I, I even saw some Tottenham fans trying to defend it. Not, not, not a lot to be fair, but just like, what are you talking about? The fact that he went in right under the knee and that I, I think he may have possibly been able to get away with that. But if you look at it, he actually raises his second foot right as the contact's being made. And I think that immediately turned it into a red card. Um, he was obviously very distraught, uh, but that doesn't get you through to the next round. Feeling bad doesn't really help anything other than the emotion surrounding it. Um, we should have been able to still pull back, and we did pull back against them. Um, but then Dyer had kind of a mess at the back, and we conceded, and we couldn't concede in this match. Um, considering the fact that it would give them an away goal, and the fact that they got a second away goal is obviously what sealed our fate. Um, Harry Kane's own goal, uh, I mean, you're just going to take the good with the bad. It's kind of like Lloris. I mean, Kane has won us so many points that it's hard to ever point the blame at him if he loses you some. Um, but yeah, obviously very, very disappointing uh, to already be out of the Europa League. Uh, the people that are saying it's a blessing in disguise, Toby Alderweireld came out and basically said that that's a stupid opinion to have. Um, so I'm going to listen to Toby there. It's very frustrating that we have now lost a route into the Champions League in what is a very competitive Premier League season. There are still six teams there thereabouts for that top four. Uh, and I think losing out on an opportunity to circumvent that bottleneck uh, it is it's not great. Um, but anyway, that's all in the past. It's, it's not important. What is important is getting back to the Premier League that we all love um, sometimes. <laughs> but this week it was against Stoke. Uh, we beat them 4-0, as is tradition. Uh, we rolled out, this is the third straight time that we've beaten them 4-0. Uh, we rolled out the exact same 11 that we rolled out on Thursday. Uh, obviously some of them got early rest. Della Ali. Um, Dembele was also taken off around the hour mark. Uh, but I was pretty surprised to see us play our full 11, and we saw a little bit of the effect of that um, in the fact that Toby uh, and Jan both came off early. Um, I was not worried about at all about uh, Toby Alderweireld coming off early because he's done this in the past. He is very attuned to his body and what he needs to do to stay fit. And uh, there was a match, I want to say about a month ago, um, and he jogged off the pitch and everything looked fine. And in his post-match interview, he's like, if I had run 10 more minutes, I would have done my hamstring. And we were like, oh, great. Don't do that. So, yeah, come off. <laughs> be ready to play in the next match, which is going to be a big one against an inform Everton side. Um, so, Jan, I'm a little if you're on. Pochettino said he expects both to be back. But if I had to guess, I'd say it's more likely that Toby is ready than Jan is ready. Um, very under-the-radar news as far as injuries go. Now it looks like Danny Rose won't be back until April. After the beginning of February, it was that he'd be ready by March. This happens to us a lot. That Once a player is out, and it's like, oh, it'll be a few weeks. All of a sudden, it's months. Um, happened with Lamella. Obviously, there are other issues going on with him. But he got hurt in, I think it was October. And we haven't seen him since. Um 
And it happened to Adebayor back in the day. It happened to Kapu back in the day. I don't think this is one of those situations where we're leaning on pushing them out of the club. It's just not great when you lose a player for a few weeks. And as soon as the club say it's a few weeks, you have to stop and wonder if it's really going to be a few weeks or if it's going to be months at a time. Um, I do not think Ben Davis is as good in the back three slash five that we run. I don't think it's much of a statement to say he's worse than Danny Rose at that point. I did see somebody say it would be interesting if we saw Jan Vertonghen and Ben Davis switch. Um, I don't think we'll see that, although we have been seeing Jan get forward more in play. But I think that's more of a a symptom. Not a symptom, that sounds bad. Uh, It's more of a result of the fact that we have a back three and all of them are able to play a back four, so it just allows whichever one's on the ball to push further up uh, the pitch. But anyway, back to this match. I'm somehow like three minutes into talking about Tottenham and haven't mentioned the fact that Harry Kane contributed to every goal today with three goals and an assist and a four-goal win. Um, he was just sublime today. I know the free kick one was a little question marky, but that second goal on his left uh, off of Erickson's cross was just sublime. It really was. Um, first goal, not too bad either. The assist that he had, he beat his man on the wing, uh, laid it into Del Ali right in stride. Uh, maybe Ali had to stretch a little bit for it, but you'll give it to him. He's a striker. Um, <laughs> uh, also, scoring off crosses and corners, maybe why you don't make him take corners. That's just, uh, you know, for any English managers that may be listening. Um, <laughs> also, uh, I did see some people heaping lots of praise on Erickson, which is understandable because he did play very well and he had two assists. But I saw somebody say that if Erickson was more consistent, we would be much more consistent. And while I agree, I think that that might be backwards. I, I have long been one of the harder critics on Christian Erickson. I think that we do not use him the way he naturally plays, although I do think at this point we've molded him to be somebody that covers ground um, and then at times is able to find uh, superb passes instead of kind of being a, a luxury player like we had with uh, Rafael van der Vaart in that role years back. Um, but it feels more like to me that when Tottenham are playing well, it allows Eriksen to play well. That the pressure's off of him both defensively and um, mentally. That if people are making willing runs, there's more options for him to pass to, which means that he can play better. But I've never felt like he's really taken games by the scruff of the neck the way you would want somebody of that talent level to. Um, but anyway, just an, an interesting note. He did play well today. But I think the idea that Tottenham play well when Eriksen play well may be reverse of uh, the order in which those things happen. That Tottenham start playing well and then Eriksen fits into that. That is my hypothesis. I'm sure it will be addressed again in the future if I'm super wrong or super right. Uh, and if it's somewhere in the middle, it won't really be newsworthy. <laughs> um, but yeah, was very pleased with this. Uh, Della Ali um, uh, mentioned in the post-match uh, interview that he was, again, sorry about what happened on Thursday. You had Pochettino coming out and saying, you know, he's a very uh, hard manager, but in a situation like that, you have a 20-year-old that just lost a huge match for your club, that he needed all the love and support from both uh, the players and from the fans. I think I think that's good. I, I am continually pleased with how decent of a person, it seems, Mauricio Pochettino is. Um, just everything he says comes from the human aspect and you can understand why, you know, Southampton felt for so long that he would never leave so long. I think he was there like a year and a half, two, two years. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> got a quick question for you, Kevin, yeah. actually, um, going back to the Delhi Ali, um, incident in the Europa League, mm. it, 
it ultimately gets a one match ban because I think the Europa League or the European competition is a little bit odd in that they can give them a one match ban, they can review it. So it could potentially end up being a four match ban. Could, yeah. So on the flip side, you've got Tottenham that look like they could qualify for Champions League next season. Mm. Um, and Deli Ali could end up missing four games in the Champions League opening stages next season, which, yeah. which would be tough. For, oh, six. Uh, yeah, uh, in, in the group stages. I mean, those four first four games are generally quite critical in the group stages. So that will be a huge miss for Spurs. And like you said, you know, he's a 20-year-old. But do you think he needs to take a bit of an edge out of his game a little bit? Because this isn't the first time um, it's happened. And, you know, he hasn't always been dealt with with some of the things that he's, you know, he's done yeah. on, on a football pitch. But, yeah, I'm not looking to castigate the guy. He's a, he's a, he's a talent and he's one of your best players. And, and you'll miss him if... You know, it's not just losing that game on, on Thursday. It's potentially, it could potentially be four games at the start of the group stages next season. Yeah, um, well, uh, technically this is the first time this has happened. <laughs> it's the first yeah. red card he's gotten in his career. But I totally yeah. understand what you're coming from. This is not the first embroiling incident that he's been part of or instigated. Uh, I do definitely think that there is too much edge in there. Um, and uh, as I mentioned on the show before, uh, it comes out when he's not playing well. Uh, and I think that maybe that's the side that needs to be addressed more just because yeah. it's it's hard to tell somebody to be less aggressive or less emotive on the pitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think just finding a way to keep him more level or mm. making him feel like he's contributing when it's not just goals and assists mm. may help keep him a little less blood in the eyes um, yeah. that we saw in this match. But it, it it is a concern and we knew it was a concern for months and then, you know, we finally got punished for it in a situation where, to be fair, that match shouldn't have mattered. We should have been able to beat Ghent yeah. away, right? It shouldn't have come to that, but it did. And uh, the fact that this is the first time that he really got caught uh, is hugely problematic. I will say, uh, while you were saying about how bad the scenario could be in the Champions League, mm. I immediately started thinking, well, if we come in fourth and we had a play-in stage... It was place two of those. This is true. This is true. Um, and, and, you, and you can't you can't take away from the fact that you uh, you haven't been able to deny Ghent play, playing Genk in the next round of the. Oh uh, right, right. So. yeah. I was talking. <laughs> yeah, I was talking to Jay before this match started. I saw a brilliant tweet uh, after that draw, which was the best thing about Ghent drawing Genk is now I actually know they're two different clubs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I just think that's a. That's a fair point. Awesome. But yeah, it's it's uh it's not good that we got knocked out of that competition. It's not good that it's uh due to Della's recklessness. Hopefully it's something he'll learn from, but I'm gonna be honest with you, he hasn't really learned from it in the past, although that has been internal reprimand versus you know, a red card. Maybe, maybe maybe this is different because like you say, it's a big thing being knocked out of your Europa League because of his red card, because if you hadn't had ten when if you'd been on still be on a pitch, then there there's a big chance that you'd have probably got what you needed out of that game, you know, not at a counter, but just about. So yeah, maybe maybe he'll learn from that bit of petulance. That that's that's all it seems to be petulance, you know, so Yeah, and I will say it uh means we've only won one of our matches at Wembley. Our record is so bad at Wembley that I thought we might lose the EFL Cup today. We weren't even in it. I just assumed we'd get another loss there somehow. Um, (laughs) All right. uh, Now we're going to head into the topic. Uh, The first thing I want to talk about, we did a segment with Jim uh, on Friday where we we talked about the difference between the internal reaction of Leicester fans versus the external reaction of neutral fans about the loyalty slash disloyalty of sacking 
Claudio Ranieri, who obviously led them to a title last season. So I'm just curious to get uh, more of the external perspective from the two of you on what you thought of that move. Can I, can I just quickly just catch up on what Jim's internal perspective was? Because I didn't catch that podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, that Lester have been playing poorly for months and that they've ac- they had actually kind of come to a resignment about it. That uh, it was probably due and maybe should have been done a little sooner so that a replacement would have more time. Um, but that it was warranted and that th- there was much more outrage about loyalty outside of the club than inside it. Yeah, I can understand that, to be honest. Um, I can understand the sacking if it's someone else other than Ranieri. Um, I mean, if you look at their recent form, I've got it up. They haven't scored in something like seven or eight of their last 10 games and they're, they're on a five-game losing streak, six-game Premier League. Premier League games without a win. They haven't scored in any of those games. Yeah, it is pretty shocking. But it is... I think every single football fan the world over last season was was rooting for Leicester City to do really, really well because of the whole story behind it. The fact that they were battling relegation the season before... Um, the fact that they traditionally didn't have or don't have big name players, um, the work ethic of the team, the fact they were playing four four two, but there was a lot to like about them last season, um, and and I think it was always going to be a bit of a come down, and it was always going to be a bit of a shot to the confidence because these the you know football players aren't infallible, they've all got personalities, they 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 can't control everything, you know. It, He's going to be tough for them. Um, and they were never going to be able to repeat that feat. They were never really even going to touch the top four again. Um, and to be honest, as, as, much as, as much as I don't want to criticise the Leicester fans or, or their club, they are in a position there which is about Leicester City's position. And mm. the players that they're signed... Every single club in the Premier League has been able to sign the calibre of player that they've signed. If 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 Stoke or Palace or even the Albion or had have offered Ahmed Musa a contract that would have probably been more money than Leicester had offered, they might well have stood a decent chance of signing him. It's not as if Leicester have improved their team with players of a Champions League sort of of, of quality, you know, um, and so. Their squad, in my opinion, and it and it still was last season, they were just overachieving, is a mid-table team at best. So, yes, they're, they're struggling slightly and, you know, it, it, their form isn't great. But but the mere fact that, that Ranieri has made these players invincible, if you look at the contract that Vardy signed again, if you look at the money that Mahrez will be on, you know, th- these players have been made by that season. They're earning the money that they're on now because of Claudio Ranieri and the way he set them up last season. No other reason. There's no other reason that, that Vardy's got himself a film deal. I just think the whole lot stinks and I think they've just give up a bit too soon. Yes, if they get relegated, think about sacking him, but give the bloke a chance to see out the season at least. You know, we need we need owners of clubs to be strong. We need we need we need the owners of clubs to be able to say this is our manager, and you players need to bloody well get on with it because 
player power should not exist. It's, you know, uh, as much as I've, I've criticised Pulis in the in in the past, it just goes to show that the club probably do know best, and and they they're stuck by Pulis through what was quite a, a pretty bad patch at times, and we're reaping the rewards of that now. It might not always work like that, and it might well be that the, the you know things fail, but. But with with a title winning manager and a bloke that shows so much humility and class, and he's clearly tactically very aware of what's going on, it's not as if I don't think he could have turned it around. You know, I, I understand why you might get the odd Leicester fan who would say, "Yeah, it's right for a club; they need to stay up." Blah blah blah. But I'm not going to be able to to say that um, I agree with that sacking at all. Um, I, I personally think that it's 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 ruined that it has ruined his legacy at Leicester City. It has turned him into someone that's maybe not as favourable. That bloke should be getting a bloody you know you've you've probably heard it from many sources, but the Ranieri should have a statue built from outside that stadium yesterday, you know, um, and to be to be sacking to be sacking the bloke. Um, in, in the way that Adidas well, after a very good result at Sevilla, not many teams can go and cope with, with the style of football that Sevilla go and play. They've gone there and they've battled and they've got a decent result to set them up for the home leg. Can you imagine if a different manager is in charge of them in the Champions League quarterfinals, semi-finals, and not Ranieri? That, mm. it's, 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 mm. it's, to be honest, it's, it's, um, it's, it stinks. And um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll happily say... To any Leicester fan, I really do hope they go down there. Do you know what? I, I agree with everything Dan says there. I, I think that the, the biggest point that you made there, Dan, is the fact that you know Leicester, perhaps, are they thinking above their station a little bit? They've still got a squad, like you say, it, which is mid-table at best. They were always going to return. There, there was no way they were going to defend that title this season, whatever the Leicester fa- fans think. I do have a feeling that Leicester are, as a club, struggling still with the fact that they they won the Premier League last season. Um, Ranieri's done superb in the Champions League for them. I just have a feeling that they perhaps put all their eggs early season in, in one basket, thinking how many how many chances are they going to have at playing in the Champions League. You know, they've got through the group stage with relative ease. Um, they've got a very good result, as you mentioned, against Sevilla, which are a very difficult side to play in Europe. Um, and it's you know they, they've got the second leg to come at home, and they've got the away goal. So it's just a travesty that a Ranieri doesn't get to see out that Champions League season. They've got this you know as far as they've got, he hasn't got the rest of the season to you know keep them up because we all we've all seen the effect of European competition uh, for clubs, um, particularly those who aren't you know some of the big six. Um, you know, like the Uniteds or Cities and that. And those, a lot of those still seem to challenge, even though they go further in, in the Champions League. But you've only got to look at sides like, you know, Southampton struggled uh, this season when they played the Europa League and had, had the two games. You can't play... A lot of Leicester fans' moanings are about Ranieri changing the team week in, week out. But surely if you're playing Champions League and the Premier League, you can't start the same 11 players, with, you know, week in, week out. That's just... That's, a, that's an impossibility. That's why, you know, the cities and the Arsenal's and um, and the Chelsea's of this world change their team, you know, slightly for for for, for all these games and and the footballing calendar. I I, I again, I'm with Dan in that 
it make it spoils what happened last season. You know, every non Leicester fan, every football fan out there wanted Leicester to win that, and it was such. Car. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, uh, oh, yeah, of course, of, of course, I forget Tottenham, Kev, but so, uh, um, but you know, the other day I watched a, a clip for the movie they're bringing out for for the whole thing, and even that still sends shivers down the spine. But I feel desperately sorry for Ranieri. Uh, the way a the way it's been done, b I I don't think. Um, they should have sacked him. If anybody deserves a job for life, then <laughs> Ranieri does. I always felt Leicester would always go back to the team which they were before, i.e. the year before they won the title, they struggled to stay up in the Premier League, just about struggled to stay up. If they go back and appoint Nigel Pearson, well, I mean, just well. You know, that's back down to earth with a bump, isn't it, really? Um, and no offence to Leicester fans at all. You know, there's nothing wrong with... You know, they watch their team week in, week out. They see what's happened. But surely anybody gets, you know, a bit more time than anybody else. And that's, you know, Ranieri, who comes across as a, a complete gentleman. I think there's a story today that I think he gets a, a £3 million severance package from Leicester for, for being sacked. And half of that he's given to a, a, a Leicester City um, charity. Um, today, so that you know that just goes along with the fact that you know everyone knows he's a is a gentleman, um, and I just you know the way it's happened, um, I I kind of have to agree with Dan. I kind of hope Leicester go down now. Um, I would say that because Palace are down there and struggling. <laughs> a little um, bias there, yeah, yeah, a little a little <laughs> bias, but. I, I just think it's ruined the illusion of last year. And yeah, Leicester fans see it week in, week out. And, you know, we don't pro- probably see it quite so much as they do in terms of, you know, what's happened on the pitch or wasn't ha- what hasn't happened on the pitch. But um, <clears throat> I do feel Leicester as a side, because when you look at sides like Chelsea and, you know, all the, all the, side, all the big sides that have won, won the title, they tend to come back the following season and, and at least challenge for the title again. Um, Maybe they have 24 hours or a couple of days of celebration winning a title, and then they're back, back, back to it and thinking, right, how can we retain that title? How can we have another successful season? And generally, that yeah, generally happens. You know, uh, I know Chelsea you know, defend, uh, didn't really defend a title very well you know, a couple of seasons ago, but you know, generally these big clubs who, know, who win things, who know how to do the things, come back the following season, and if they're not challenging, then perhaps they you know, have a run in another cup or something like that. It, you know, it's completely been completely opposite for Leicester and I just think you know it was never going to happen again for Leicester Dan was right they've got a squad which is mid-table at best you know what and what were the throwing the Champions League games as well and and obviously they've gone further in Champions League than perhaps they expected that's just compounding matters for them and yeah I it's sad I I just think it's sad for football it really is sad for football I've got a uh, follow-up on that then because both of you think that uh, they should have kept him kind of regardless but the direction they were trending was relegation. So do you think it would have been worth hanging on to him if it meant that they'd be going down? Or, or to make it more personal, would you... Oh, no. Obviously, it's a yes. Would you take a title in relegation the next year? Obviously, yes. Yes, um, I'd, I'd so. take a title and then successive relegations to the conference. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I, so I'm with you, Dan. Answer, I'm exactly the same. The answer, yeah. the answer to the question, is that I would love to at one point see the Albion winning even just an FA Cup or a League yeah. Cup. I don't know about a Premier League title. You know, the, the Leicester fans really have got to to realise how massive that achievement was. It, we're not even talking like Blackburn proportions yeah. here. Yeah. We're, we're talking like... Uh, if you look into... If you look at League One now, pick any... Pick Warsaw. Do you know what? Warsaw win the Premier League title in about four or five years' time. 
Mm. It's it's never going to happen. It's never, and that's exactly what has happened. Mm. It is madness. Mm. It is absolutely madness that that the bloke has been sacked. <laughs> you know, six or seven months into a season after winning the, the Premier League. Um, uh, do you know what? Yes, stick with him, even if it means relegation. Mm. Because if I'm a Leicester City fan and that bloke has done that for me, mm. and then then I think you've got to at least give him one season. And you're never really going to be able to say whether he's going to have sent them down or not. Mm. Um, he, I don't think they were in the relegation prices when he left, were they? They were in 17th. Yeah. So, yeah, they only went into the bottom three this weekend, so he'd already yeah. gone. So, okay, the prospects weren't looking great, but... It was it's a squad of capable players who are earning a lot of money who could well have got themselves out of the, the trouble zone, and then, and then if they want to review things at the end of a the season, then they're probably slightly more within their rights to do that. Then, mm. but I think I think the way it came, especially after the Champions League um, game, and and the way the rumours surrounding the players and how they've all been quite stum about it and not really said much. Um, speaks volumes, it, it, it? it does, yeah. And, and I just, I just think it shows that there is way too much player power in the game, mm. um, and that the, the 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 owner or chairman or the technical directors they should have a phone call line to the manager, mm. not to the players. The 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 managing the the technical director or the or the or the chairman speaks to the manager about the players. Mm. There is no there is no conversation between between players and chairman in my opinion not if, not if you want something to not if you want the football club to be run properly and for it to work and and so um that is that is a failure of the Leicester City yeah. owners and like I say I just hope that, that they pay for it now mm. if they go and appoint Pearson they have just they have just gone absolutely full circle. Uh, and, to and be fair, gone. I I don't think that they're gonna uh, rehire Pearson when his son was caught on tape being racist against the uh, ethnicity of the owners. Uh, possibly not. No, possibly not. Uh, like um, like I, listen, I know he, that a lot of times off pitch stuff doesn't affect on pitch stuff, but I just yeah. feel like that one might be a little too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would. I I kind of think why you know the players. This see what? How are they not? How are they not not been blamed for this at all? I, I know there's a lot of blame about them getting Ranieri to sack, but they haven't reached the same levels as they did last season. Well, yeah, to be sometimes... fair, I honestly think they're just not that good. I mean, that back line is not a top five oh, defense in the league. Oh, I agree. I agree. I agree with that completely. But you know, the Vardis, the Mares, you know, mm. they they've not reached. They had their heads turned in the summer by you know rumors of Arsenal being interested, but. But surely, if you're any kind of footballer, you know you would. Surely, you would want to try and repeat that. You know, you've had a taste of it, or is that it? You know, you surely, you know, like like Dan said, it's it is the biggest story for well, is it forever in 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 football? It's just it's just huge. Is 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 that it for those players? Have they reached the pinnacle that they? not really bothered anymore is that you know we'll just pick up our pay packet i just i just find it hard in this day and age where players um again dan said player power shouldn't be happening at all it it happens a lot um they get paid so much money but you know managers get to blame all the time and lose their jobs over the fact that you know these players haven't reached anywhere near the level that they did last season and surely have to ask the question 
why why is that they're just happy to pick up their pay packet I, I mean i find it a little bit odd you know at the end of last season they're all given a brand new car it was all publicized and they're all got a brand new brand new car I can't remember what car it was but it's irrelevant but I think it was the audi you know, i8 something like that yeah and it, it you know maybe this is a story of a club that isn't quite used to winning something of that step well they're obviously not but it, it just you know the, the players for me have an awful lot to answer for Mm-hmm. Here, um, I know the manager arranges a team, the picks a team, you know, takes the training and, and and the coaches and all that. But I just find it difficult to understand how, um, you know, likes of Vardy and Mares, you know, aren't anywhere near the level they were last season. And, and obviously, they, you know, wouldn't surprise me if they're gone in the summer anyway. Yeah, uh, if people still want them. Um... All right, well, we had a second uh, topic planned, but we went uh, pretty in-depth on that one. So uh, we are going to move right along into Player Watch, where we each are going to talk about a player that impressed and one that disappointed in our club's most recent fixture. We all did win, though, so if you wanted to highlight somebody from the other team that impressed, you may do that instead of someone who disappointed. Uh, I'm going to say a player that impressed, although probably man of a match for me yesterday was Ben Foster, I'm going to say that Jake Livermore, since he signed, has been fantastic. Um, that is lovely and, to hear. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's keeping Claudio Jakob out of the team. Rightly or wrongly so, Fletcher's playing. I would personally play Livermore and, and Jakob as opposed to Fletcher. But, you know, Pulis, he, you know he's, not, he's not changing a winning team. I'm not going to complain that Fletcher's playing. It's, it's not as if he's not contributing. Um, but it is tough being Jakob left out, but he's made slightly easier by the fact that the bloke that's replaced him is really playing out of his skin. He gets up and down the pitch really well. He's really committed. He's got he's got a bit of a spark of creativity. Um, it, you know, he's just like typical all round cracking up and down the pitch midfielder. Can do pretty much everything you ask of him, um, and I've been I've been really impressed with just pretty much everything he's done so far. Um, player to not impress yesterday um, would probably say, although I rarely ever say any bad words about Alan Neom, um, he did give away the penalty and he did get caught out of position a few times with Bournemouth playing the try and they're trying to spread the play and stretch our back line. And he did get, get, get caught out of position probably a, a couple more times than he should have done. I'm not saying it was a bad performance, but but out of the 11, Nyon probably didn't perform as well as he could have done. Um, so that would be my two for the, uh, the win against Bournemouth. Yeah, for Palace, I'm going to start with uh, the one that didn't impress. And it's probably no surprise to anybody that Wayne Hennessy continues to uh, not impress, particularly our back line. Even yesterday, as the game went on, um, players were rather looking to boot the ball out of play rather than roll it onto the keeper to to kick up pitch. Um, I think he was quite lucky yesterday in that I think two or three efforts that Borough had on target were straight at him. Um, One effort came across goal, which um, he flapped at, completely missed. Luckily, it went nowhere. nowhere, But um, this goalkeeper, I... He's rubbish, mate. He's rubbish. (laughs) (laughs) I I just find it astounding. Yeah, I know. No, no, I know your feelings very well on uh, Wayne Hennessy. And to be honest, it's the majority of the Palace fan base now because, you know, we see 
it week in, week out. He doesn't come for crosses. He doesn't fill the back line of any confidence whatsoever. Um, I'm just hoping that um, Mamadou Sacco scares the living daylights out of him to, to get some out of him, um, you know, to come for balls, which he should have done. I mean, there was one, there was one move yesterday where Van Harnal clearly wanted help from his goal keeper trying to shield the ball for him to come and collect it and he wouldn't come off his line just wouldn't come off his line at all and you know some of these things are like bread and butter for keepers but he did make the saves that you know he should be making yesterday which I guess is a positive but um, you know I'm I'm not hearing good things about Steve Mandanda at the moment which is a real shame because you know he impressed me in a few games he did play um, and you know we've still got Julian Sproni at the club and I think a lot of fans would rather see him in goal than than Wayne Hennessy they, they, they really would and it's a shame but you know it's hard to complain because we had a clean sheet and we won yesterday so moving on to the players that impressed um it's really difficult to narrow one player down. Um, Andros Townsend was excellent. Uh, it's probably one of the best games he's played for Palace. Uh, he has flattered to deceive an awful lot this season since he arrived at the club. But yesterday he was absolutely everywhere. I think there's only 10 minutes at the start of the second half where he was a little bit quiet. Um, but elsewhere, I've already mentioned Sacco. He was absolutely brilliant yesterday. But for me, I think the one player that really gives me some encouragement is um, Luka Milijevic in the middle, um, defensive midfielder, very confident on the ball, very good in the tackle, breaks things up really well, just knows where to be positional sense-wise. You know, nothing particularly, you know, not, he's never going to be one of those players that's going to, you know, turn a game from one thing to another, but he, he does, the, you know, he does the it, simple things, you know, without you kind of noticing and just, you know, gets on with the game. Um, and I, I'm hoping that he's going to be, him and Sacco are going to be the real difference between us um, going down and staying up this season. So I'm going to, Luca just edges it over Sacco, but there's not much in it. Fair enough. Uh, for Tottenham, I mean, uh, Kane had a hat-trick and an assist. So that's pretty obvious. We'll go a little more subtle. Uh, obviously it's him. But uh, Kyle Walker ha- has just been terrorizing people down the right flank. For pretty much this whole season, while also showing things up at the back, it, it is—it honestly catches me off guard sometimes how improved he is now from just two or three years ago. Um, and he was—he was spectacular. You wish a little bit more from the end balls. It looked like today he was looking a little more for glory than to set up an assist. Um, went for goal a couple times when he just um, shouldn't have. But. Um, uh, all in all, it was a spectacular game from him. And when he's just flying forward and has that liberty because we weren't really facing much challenge from Stoke at the other end of the pitch, when he's able to just constantly flow forward, it just opens up a whole another aspect to our attack, which, to be fair, I think really points out to the flaw in signing Sissoko. If we had spent that money on a player with genuine pace that could also overlap and offer that constantly without having to expose us at the back, um, I think we'd be in a much more dangerous position. I mean, if you look at uh, Liverpool signing of Sadio Mane, a lot of people, including myself, thought that they way overpaid and that he wouldn't be a good fit. But seeing somebody that comes in, and I'm not saying he's just the pace merchant, but having that ability uh, as a complement to the creative aspect of the attack is so uh, it's so important to be able to make sure that you can break down all kinds of opposition. We tend to very much struggle to break down defensive teams if we were able to spread at pace out wide, I think that would really help in those situations. Um, but anyway, on the days when Walker is the one that's able to do it, we play much better, and I think that was certainly the case today. Uh, did anybody disappoint me? Um, 
just dire in general. Not not particularly today. Um, but he is just a shadow of the player he was last year. And to give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt, I think part of the issue is that two years ago, he was definitely a center back. So he did that well. Last year, he was definitely a defensive midfielder. and He did that well. I think this year kind of being cover or util for like a lot of different places. I don't know if, if it's um, literally a mental thing of, of he's unsure of what he should be doing at each time tactically, or if it's a confidence thing where... Um, he isn't constantly lined up to, next to the same person in every match. I, I don't know what he is, but he's clearly taken a step back this year, which, to be fair, was coming. I mean, we talked about Leicester regressing, but um, for us, we were definitely expecting some regression as well. I think I said it uh, at the end of last season, you know, eight of, our 11, eight of our best 11 players had career years last year, and we could not expect that again this year. Fortunately, um, We've been able to deputize a lot. Uh, the fact that Wanyama came in and has been so good as a defensive midfielder means we've been able to play Dyer at the back, even though he's been a little shaky. So that was a good signing. But I would not be surprised if we went out and signed a relatively big-name center back or a big-talent center back that may have a little bit of development left to go um, just to maybe ease some of that issue. But anyway, Eric Dyer on the whole, a little disappointing for me. All right, and that'll do it for us today. So why don't you tell the folks where they can find you? Yeah, you can find me, um, Dan Watts, um, on my personal Twitter, at the Watts 22 um, And you can find the the, uh, the website and the Twitter feed that I look after, um, 1878 underscore WBA on Twitter. And online, you can find us at... 1878.net as in the word 1878 um we have uh an interesting piece on five side picks albion five side teams um which is going to be online tomorrow i've not really sold that very well but it's going to be really really good so check that out if you can um and there's going to be another piece um coming next week on a former player that might be a little bit controversial, so check that one out as well. Cheers, cheers for listening, cheers for having me on. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm Jay, I'm editor of the Eaglesbeak.com, a Palace fan site. You can get me on Twitter at the Eaglesbeak. Uh, lots of content come up this week as we build up to our trip to West Brom, so uh, check it out. Yeah, and I am your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. You can find my writings over at TheEaglesBeak.com, which Jay just mentioned. I do a weekly fantasy article there. I'm also now the lead fantasy writer over at Goal.com, so be sure to head over there for all of our fantasy content there. Uh, also host a fantasy podcast on this very channel, the FPL Roundtable, and a DFS video over on VIPBet.com each week. So be sure to check all of that out if you like fantasy. If you don't, uh, don't, I guess. Um, but... Uh, Jay and Dan, it was an absolute pleasure having you guys back on. Uh, It was fun as always, and we hope you keep listening. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. 